Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Let's pray. Let's get into the Word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. We're looking at the primary purpose of the fivefold ministry. Looking at the primary purpose of the fivefold ministry. And um, we started on Sunday and we talked about a very popular quote. Um, which is, when the purpose of a theme is not known, abuse is what? Is inevitable. That means if you don't know the purpose of something, the tendency to abuse it is high. By default, you'll abuse it. And so, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And... Um, that's where we're building from. That's where we're learning from. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as teachers some as evangelists, sorry, and some as pastors and teachers. So, he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. We established last Sunday that not everybody is a pastor from the Word of God. Some people have been given the grace to stand in these offices and to stand in this function. Praise God. Some people have been given the, the grace to stand in these offices and to stand in these functions. And so it's important for us to understand, but in, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7, let's go to verse 7, the Bible says, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. That means... Every child of God has got grace in them according to the gift of Christ. That means when a child of God gets born again, praise God, the grace of God is in the life of that believer. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Alright. Now, every child of God has got this grace. But this fivefold ministry we're talking about is a unique grace given to people to stand in these offices of apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and what? And pastors. Now, let's go to verse 9. Of, let's, let's go back to verse 8. Therefore, it says, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. 
Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is himself also, he who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. Now, I want you to understand this. When Jesus was on the earth, right, walking the earth, he stood having the Holy Spirit without limits. The Bible tells us that Jesus had the Spirit without measure. Now, pay attention to this. If I say that uh, I have money without measure, what am I saying? What do I mean? You don't know? What? I have excess money. Unquantifiable. Right? Because the word measure would, would mean quantity, right? Yeah. So if I say I have money without measure. You know, people never miss money examples. They always get it. So when the Bible says that Jesus had the spirit without measure, what does it mean? He had unlimited access to the spirit. Alright. So, now, Jesus, while he was on earth, occupied all of the fivefold ministry. Okay? So, we're going to go through scriptures and see where Jesus occupied all of the fivefold ministry. So, let's go to Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1. Now, I want to say this here. There is nobody on earth today who has the spirit without measure. Okay? Only Jesus had that on the earth. Okay. Now, Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1. It says, Jesus, uh, verse 1 says, Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ. So, in this passage of scripture, we found out that Jesus was referred to as the apostle. Are you following this now? So Jesus is referred to as what? The apostle. Alright. Now, there is nobody today who should be addressing himself as chief apostle. That's not proper. Because we have only one Person who is the apostle and every other apostle comes after him in that sense. So the apostolic dimension in Jesus was released on certain people in the body of Christ to serve as apostles. Now, as, as, um, as the Lord helps us, we are going to take time to study this gift individually to know what makes up an apostle because sometimes people uh, get these titles for themselves. They just go ahead and call themselves apostles. Some people feel, well, when you travel a lot, you're an apostle. Well, uh, tourists travel a lot. All right? People who are involved in tourism, that doesn't make them apostles. But we'll deal with that some of the time. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 18, when Moses was talking about the Messianic prophecy, one of the, one, some of the prophecies that Jesus needed to fulfill to confirm that he was or he is the Messiah, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 18, it says, I will raise up a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell the people everything I command him. And you realize that 
Jesus was referred to as prophet a lot in the Gospels. So we see that Jesus stood in the office of a prophet. Praise God. John chapter 10 verse 11. The Bible says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. Now, the, the, one of the words, the word for pastor in the Greek is poimen, P-O-I-M-E-N. And now, you can find the word pastor only once in the scriptures in the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. But you have different um, words that were used to refer to pastors, right, um, all over the epistles. So you've, you have the word like elders, or you have the word like shepherds, okay? But in, in the sense of using that word pastor, you only find it within the context of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. Now, when you look at that concept of shepherd, in John chapter 10 verse 11, the Bible says, I am the good shepherd. Alright? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. So Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd. That's the office of a pastor. Now, in John chapter 3 verse 2, John chapter 3 verse 2, we're looking at how Jesus stood in each of these offices. And this is very important because... If Jesus stood in each of these offices, and anybody today is functioning in these offices, then he ought to function the way Jesus functioned. Praise God. Then he ought to function where? The way that Jesus functioned. Because Jesus had already stood in these offices before. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Right. So, in John chapter 3, verse 2, the Bible says, Rabbi, or the word teacher, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. So, we see in John chapter 3, verse 2, uh, that Jesus stood in the office of a teacher. Jesus stood in the office of a teacher. Now, Mark chapter 2, verse 17 Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. So we see that in Mark chapter 2 verse 17, Jesus stood in the office of an evangelist. Jesus stood in the office of an evangelist. Now, what that means is that for every single office that we are talking about in terms of the five-fold ministry. Pay attention to this. Jesus occupied all of those offices without measure. Occupied them in its fullness. Praise God. So, what happened is that when Jesus ascended, He took out of His grace in those offices and placed it in some people and call the apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, so that those people would serve the body of Christ in the capacity that he served while he was on the earth. Praise the name of the Lord. 
Now, it's important for us to understand this. And why are we emphasizing this? Because, listen carefully to this, we have said it before that no man can call you into these offices. We established that last Sunday. Are we right? No man can call you as an apostle. No man can call you as a prophet. No man can call you as a teacher. These things have to come from God. Men can affirm it. Men can confirm it. But men cannot initiate it. And I said something in the first service I'd like to repeat in this service. The fact that you married a pastor does not make you a pastor. Because I have seen some pastors' wives who are forced into the ministry. There's no grace on their life about that. Alright? And that's very important. You know, when I, when I got married to Sister Mary... I told her, there is no pressure on you to become a pastor. There's no pressure. I know she teaches sometimes way better than some pastors I've heard. But you see, because my love for her does not call her into the ministry. You are one flesh, is not one call. We've got to understand this. Because we've got pastors who are called and then they force their wife into offices that they shouldn't be in in the first place and there is no grace for it because for each of these offices, God initiates a grace for it. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? And sometimes you've got some people, if they marry an apostle, then they say they are prophets. If they marry a prophet, then they say they are prophetess. This is not singular and plural, neither is it opposite and meaning. This is a spiritual office that the Lord has to single-handedly call you and place you in and now give you the grace to walk in that office. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? I tell my kids all the time, if the Lord does not call you in the ministry, you don't have to be in the ministry. Because this is not a family business where, you know, I've got to, one of my sons has to be called to continue the work. No. A thousand times no. You don't have to force a calling on your children if you are a pastor. And I, and I want you to be careful of that. You give back to your children and you, oh, prophets, oh, apostle, oh, this is the bishop of the house. And you think it's, it's uh, <laughs> you can force the call on people. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You're not hearing? Okay. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is important. This is very important. Because the Lord has to set, because there is a grace that comes with the call. And we talked about the issue of Jeroboam last Sunday, where he was ordaining all kinds of people to stand in the office. Now, let me tell you what happened. A mature believer can teach and lead the local church if there is no pastor. And you find out a lot. But that doesn't mean they have to be put in the office of a pastor. Now, let's go back to that Ephesians. And see this word here. And see the primary purpose. Ephesians chapter 4 now, we're in verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4 and we're verse 11. And he gave some as apostles, and some prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. 
Now, I want just to read it from the, if possible, if you read it from the King James Version, you would see that it's like it's broken into three. For the perfecting of the saints, alright? For the work of ministry and for the edification of the body. That's how the King James Version puts it. It puts it almost in three blocks. Now, when you read it like that in the King James, you would think that there are three rows. Can you help me with my Amplified Bible, please? Thank you. You would, you, would, you would think that there are three functions or there are three roles. But that's not it. That's not it. The New American Standard Bible puts it very carefully. It says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. So, if you look at the King James Version and the punctuation in the King James Version, it says, for the perfecting of the saints, okay, uh, for the work of ministry, and for the edification of the body. So, when you look at that punctuation in the King James, you will think that it's got three different roles. No. No. You, you, you find this is the proper punctuation. Okay? It says for the... Thank you. It says for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. That means the primary role... Now listen carefully to this. The primary role of... All of the fivefold ministry is outlined in this verse. The primary role for all of the fivefold ministry is outlined in this verse. What is that? The equipping of the saints for the work of service. The equipping of the saints for the work of what? Service. Now, let me, let me give you an example. If I say, for instance, some of the members of this church are on the service team. I would, I would say, if I say some of the members of this church are on the service team, that would mean that, for instance, if I have about a hundred members, just about a few people are on the service team. Am I right? Am I right? That means I'm not referring to everybody. Am I correct by saying that? Alright. Now, if I wanted this church to really be a strong church and for this church to be built up. Okay? If I wanted this church to be a strong church and for this church to be built up. Do you think that I would leave all the work to be done just on those few people who are members of the service team? What do you think? Do you think I'll leave all the work for them to do? Talk to me now. What do you think? No. What do you think I'd rather do? I want everybody. Thank you, sir. I want everybody to participate in building the church. Right. Now, how will I get everybody to participate in building the church? I will take some of those service team members that I have, train them, and ask them to do what? To do what? To train everybody. So that everybody can get to build the church. Now, come to think of it, if the Lord has pastors and prophets and teachers and apostles and evangelists set up in the body, do you think the Lord just wants only these people to get the job done? No. A thousand times no. Are you following? You need to follow this. Even I'll start from the beginning. And that's true. Are you following it? You need to get it. I mean, I'm not in a hurry to, 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 to wrap, wrap up. I can start again. Do you want me to go over it again? Okay, so I'll start again. <laughs> okay, so I've got a church. We've got a hundred members. And I say, some 
of those members are members of the service team. But I want to build a strong church. Can only a few people get the job done if we want to build a strong church? No. So what will I do? I'll take those people that I've trained and make sure they train everybody because when everybody gets involved, then we can build a strong church quickly. Am I right? Now that's what the Lord did. He took some people out of the body of Christ, called them into this fivefold ministry. Now I want you to understand this, so that the saints are equipped for the work of service. Now listen carefully to this. Could you help me? I need someone there quickly because of the King James and the, and, and, and the New American Standard Bible. Let me just get that started. Let me have the King James Version and I'll show you something here. The King James Version. I want to show you something here because over time we've built a theology on that that I want us to, to make a bit of adjustment to. So if you go to the King James Version, it says, For the perfecting of the saints. Okay? Now, it says, Comma. For the work of ministry. Now, when you read it that way, it looks like there are different things entirely. And then it says, come again, for the edifying of the body of Christ. But you, when you look at that, I don't want to go deeply into the Greek, but if you're looking at the Greek paraphrase of that, you would realize that that comma is not supposed to be there. It's supposed to read for the perfecting of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, when you take out that comma, what you realize is that the perfecting of the saints is so they can do the work of ministry. Do you follow it? Because in verse 7 of Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible had already told us that every saint is given a grace. Did you, you understand that? Do you get it? Okay. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7, it says the measure of Christ's grace has been given to every saint. Then in verse 11, it now says, out of all the saints, some have been called to be pastors. What that means is that you cannot be a pastor first of all if you're not a saint. That means if you're not a believer, the Lord cannot call you to become a pastor. So, all of us have the grace given to us. Then he chooses some of us to occupy these offices. And then, what's the purpose? The purpose is not that the pastor should do the work of ministry. That's what I want you to get today. It is, go, to, go, back, go back, it's to perfect the saints for the work of ministry. To the intent that the body of Christ is edified. The word edified in the Greek is okodomayo. It means to build up. O-I-K-A-D-A-M-E-O-O-O. It means to build up. It's like building up an edifice. Now, go back to the New American Standard Version. And I think we're done with the kingdoms. Now, the word perfecting there is equipping. It means karatismo. It means to equip, to build up, or to mend. Now, if you look at the way the New American Standard punctuates it, it's very accurate. It says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service. So what's the primary role of the prophet? To equip, come on now, you can't get this. This is open book test. You can't fail this. this. The answer is right there in front of you. But you just have to say it. What's the primary purpose of the prophet? To equip the saints for what? What's the primary purpose of the teacher? 
the primary purpose of the pastor, the primary purpose of the apostle. So the primary purpose of the fivefold ministry are not to be superstars, they are to be equippers. Because it is when we are all equipped for service that the body of Christ is built up. Uh, uh, let me read the Amplified Version. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4. If you have the Amplified Version, you can turn there. Some of you have multiple. Yeah, I still like hard copy Bibles. I don't know why. Just, I like paper. <laughs> At, um, Ephesians 4 verse 12. Verse 12, the Amplified Version. It says, his intention was the perfecting. Now, that word perfecting there is, um, is, 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 is karatismo. It means to equip, to mend. You know, one of the places it was used was, um, I think it was used in, in, in Mark chapter 4 verse 21 when they were trying to mend the net. It's to, it's to hold something prepared something so it can hold up something, to frame, to mend, to join together, to prepare, to complete. In the classical Greek, it means uh, making someone adequate or sufficient for something. It doesn't mean sinless perfection. It means getting you ready so you can be able to perform a task. It's like equipping you so you can get the job done. That's what that word perfecting means. Praise God. Now, the, the Amplified says, his intention was the perfecting or the equip and the full equipping of the saints, his consecrated people, that they should do the work of ministering towards building up Christ's body, the church. So, the, the primary role, when God set the ministries in place, is so that, listen, come on, when you come to church every week, you're built up, you're built up, you're being taught the word of God. And you take what you've been built up with, you minister to one another, you minister to people at your workplace, and what's happening, the whole body of Christ is being built up. Now, if you go to the gym, imagine you go to the gym, right? Right? You go to the gym, and they said, oh, you want to carry weight, you know, dumbbells, you want to build your muscles. And every day, you just carry the dumbbell on this hand. Right? Every day. Every day. For one year. What's going to happen? What do you think will happen? Hmm? You know you're going to walk like this, right? All here filled with muscles and the whole of your body flappy. Do you think that would be the best picture of the kind of person you want to be like? No. So, if you go to the gym, if you go to a proper gym, not the one at your backyard... If you go to a proper gym, they'll tell you, well, you're building your upper body today, you're building your lower body. They'll try to build the whole body. And that's what we try to do in the body of Christ. We've got people who become superstars, and it's like you have one hand swollen, well, not swollen, well toned, and the rest of the body is flappy. They can't do anything. And that's not the picture of the body that God wants. The picture of the body that God wants is every saint is equipped to be able to do the work of ministry. Uh, you know, an example came into my spirit. I was thinking about it in the office. You know, when um, Apollos came, the Bible says Apollos was eloquent in scripture. Eloquent in scripture. He, but he knew only the baptism of John. He came to the temple. You know, Apollos was like the guest speaker. Came to the temple, preached. I mean, he was eloquent. Bam, preach, 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 preach. And he said, a couple took him aside. Priscilla and Aquila. They took him aside. 
and they expanded to him more accurately the way of God. Whew. That's challenging. Priscilla and Aquila were not pastors. They are just members in the church. And this guest minister comes, bam, 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 teaches. Eloquent. But he had a limitation. He understood only the baptism of John. He didn't know that the gospel had passed that stage. You know people can be eloquent in error. You know sometimes, eh? And that's why sometimes if you have a very charismatic preacher, even if he's preaching a lie, sometimes you don't know. Because you're just carried away by his eloquence. And as most times people are comfortable hearing messages where there are not a lot of scriptures. Because people can say some things. Right? You know the popular one? God is going to turn your mess into a message. There's one message in the scriptures. What's that message? You don't know the message. It's the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because what that happens is when we tell people that, people now come to the pulpit and start teaching their experience as the word of God and start using their experience to teach. And that's one of the problems you have a lot with relationship teachings. Because every relationship teacher puts his experience first before the word of God. Every marriage teacher puts his experience first before the word of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you are called to teach, teach the word. Praise the name of the Lord. I said, praise the name of the Lord. I said again, praise the name of the Lord. Well, let's leave that. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service. So, God doesn't want people. Just one big superstar in the body. That doesn't build the body. So Priscilla and Aquila took him aside. Excuse us, can you have lunch with us? And he said, oh yeah, why not? Guest minister, I want to host the guest minister in our house. <laughs> and then they started explaining to him, you know that baptism of John you're talking about? That's old. Jesus had come. He'd come to baptize us with the Holy Spirit. And they had to put this man straight up. A couple in church. You know, because some, sometimes, and I've seen this in the local church, sometimes we think that guest speakers cannot be wrong. Man, I had one. I think that was the last time I invited a, a, a singing guest. I had one of my friends who was a, a singer, powerful worshiper. You know, sometimes when God has called you to do something, just stay in that lane. You know, you know, sometimes singers want to preach, right? That's why you now hear, oh, for the Bible say, count your blessings, name them one by one. For the Bible say, count your blessings, name them one by one. For the Bible say. <laughs> Some of you didn't get it. <laughs> because you still think it's there. Okay. Hmm? So, <laughs> God is good all the time. <laughs> is that what the Bible says? Some of you are not sure. Is that what the Bible says? What does the Bible say? God is good. And His mercies enjoy it forever. Is God good all the time? Yes. But that's not what the Bible says. What the Bible says is God is good and His mercies endures forever. So if you come to church for the first time, you always fail that test. Offering time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alright. So. so the guy sang powerful worship. Then he now came and said, you know, Isaac smelled the smell of his son and said the smell of his son is like the smell of a field that God had blessed. You know, then my dad, my dad traveled. So I, I was just 
coming up under my dad. So I was to preach that that Sunday. I just wanted us to have yeah a guest. You know, when your father is not around, you just think you can just use this moment to show him that ah, if you have just given me this church, will be bigger. <laughs> so I invited him. The man now said, yeah. So tomorrow we're going to have a prophetic act as we're worshiping. Everybody should come with perfume. Huh? I almost died in my seat. <laughs> How do I? <laughs> you know what will happen to my ministerial career? If my father returns from Johnny and discover that all his members were carrying perfume. And who said they should bring perfume to church? The guest minister that Pastor Max invited. Ah, then. But you know, that's what happens when charisma overtakes conviction. And we begin to do things that are not found in the Word of God. God wants the saint equipped. God wants the saint matured. So the body of Christ can be built up. And the intention is that at the end of the day, we are not tossed to and fro by the cunning craftiness of men. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, I, I'll say this. Let, let's, let's, let, let me say this. You know, I say this all the time. For instance, you hear people who are big on midnight prayers. I don't have any problem with that. You can pray anytime. And they're big on midnight prayers. And they say, well, there are some gates. You've got to pray at this time because, you know, it's midnight. And, you know, you've got to do that midnight prayer. And the concept they try to teach is that that midnight prayer has more power than every other prayer you pray anytime. And then it's very simple. It's very simple. They say prayer 12. Okay? So you get up and pray at 12. Now, 12 o'clock your time, for instance, is 1 a.m. Ghana time. Okay? It might be afternoon in China, I'm not sure. It might be afternoon in China and midday in Australia. Hmm? And maybe people are preparing to wake up somewhere else in the world, in Oceania or one of those islands. Right? Then, the next moment, that same preacher tells you, in the realm of the Spirit, there's no time. Did I hear you say there's no time? And you just said if we pray at 12, it's more effectual because the gate is open. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because these things are based on experiences and not the logic of scriptures. Because somewhere in our mind, we have grown up with the culture that witches start to fly around 12. Somebody knows that. You know that, right? Uh-huh. I don't know if you know, but just asking if you know. Because somewhere in our mind, around 12, when people want to sleep, that's when they are preparing to fly. So we've got to find a theology to combat them when they want to fly, to hold them down. You are not going anywhere. So we have to preach a message, and when you hear that message, listen carefully to me, when you hear that message, it lands on the subconscious of your culture, so it makes sense. But it's not the truth of scriptures. So what happens? People remain immature. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'll give you an example. Somebody says he dies. Hmm? And then he went to hell. And then a preacher who doesn't know what he's doing will put those people in the pulpit and say they should share with the body of Christ. So he say he went to hell and then he saw somebody wearing trousers. Okay. 
Now you've taught the people that hell burns with fire. And now this particular person saw someone in hell with their trouser intact. So that means that trouser was fire resistant. Not only that, the person had earrings. And that's why they went to hell. So the person finally made it hmm? with trousers and earrings to hell. Even with wig. And the wig wasn't burnt. And is in hell. Then the next Sunday you come on the pulpit and you say, you know what? When you die, you're not taking anything out of this world. Only your spirit will go to God. All these things you have, all these things you are killing yourself for, you will not take anything out of this world. Only your spirit empty like that. The next Sunday, you bring another person. Do you know this guy just went to hell? And he saw somebody say, come and tell them, come and tell them. And the guy say, I went to hell. And I saw this brother with trousers. I saw this sister with, with uh, earrings. He said, oh, let's repent. He because you're teaching experiences. You're not teaching the word. Even when Lazarus and the rich man in that parable were seen in hell, in the bosom of Abraham and the rich man say, send people from here to go and warn my brothers. Jesus said, they have the prophets with them. If they would not listen to the prophets, they would not listen to those who have come from the dead. We're not to give the platforms to people who rose from the dead to share their testimonies to convert people. The living have an assignment to preach the gospel. You preach the gospel and get people born again. That's why those ministries don't last. But we like the, it's very fascinating. Because it's immaturity. Because saints are not being equipped. Saints are not being equipped. So I say, so are you saying that they didn't go to hell? I don't care where they went to. That's none of my business. They can go anywhere. When you have overfed and you died, I mean, you can, you can see anything. You can see anything you want to see. Listen, there is nothing you see that will contradict the written word. Do you realize when Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't try to convince them just by his resurrection, but in Luke chapter 24, what happened? The Bible says he went, Luke 24, 44, he went through the Psalms, the prophets, and the law of Moses, showing them the things which were to be fulfilled. So that means, even after resurrection, Jesus builds the conviction on his people on the infallible word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So that's why sometimes Pentecostals are afraid of, of Jehovah Witnesses. Because you know when they come, they are going to open the Bible, they are going to try to teach you, and you don't know no, no stuff. So you say, it's okay, it's okay. How much is your magazine? You say, you say okay, give, me, give me two magazines. <laughs> you don't want to engage. Or go and engage a moment. You realize that, yeah. Mm. How do you know Jesus is the Son of God? You want to argue with God. You want to argue with God. Fire will burn you. You know, our, our, our logic in Pentecost is just threatening people. Oh, you say Jesus is not God. You say Jesus is not God. Don't worry, let the rapture come. You will go to hell. There's no, there's no understanding. There's no conviction. Because we're raised in entertainment, not education. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, sometimes I even laugh. People say they're going for all night to so go and pray all night. They will watch drama. Eh? Drama. Special number. Uh, uh, people will come and do their presentation. Teenagers will come and do their ballet dance. Out of nine hours, they'll pray for two hours and use the remaining hours just watching different types of dance. Check our counterparts who go to the mosque. 
what they do there? Huh? They are indoctrinated. They are fed. Hmm? Can ask ask a Muslim, young Muslim, to recite the Quran. They will drop scriptures for you. They will engage you. We have to restore the body of Christ back to proper alignment. And which is what? Priority of the word. Priority of equipping. Priority of... And I want you to take it as a challenge in your life that you'll be a believer who understands the word. Who learns the word. So this is the purpose of the fivefold ministry. This is the purpose why God gave pastors. So that they are equipped. So that everybody can come to maturity. God doesn't want an immature child in his church. And that means that pastors and leaders and prophets got to fix this by equipping the saints. When you sit under the ministry of a prophet, what he should do is he should activate the prophetic dimension in your life. So that when things want to go wrong in your life, you can walk in that discernment. It's not for him to prophesy over you all the days of your life. Jesus didn't even do that to the disciples. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Are you still here? Alright. Now, let's look at this. What's the goal? The goal of the body of Christ is very clear. The goal of the body of Christ is very clear. The goal is that the entire body, the entire body will grow to unity, will grow to maturity and Christ likeness. And Christ likeness. Let's go to Colossians 1.28. You know, the funny ones we have is the one that will come and tell you that uh, he was number two in the marine kingdom. Hmm? He had airplane in the marine kingdom, he had wife in the marine kingdom, he had children in the marine kingdom. That's upstairs and duplex in the marine kingdom. And then you come out in real life, you are staying in one room. If you have sense, will you not just stay in the marine kingdom? Eh? You are vice president in marine world. <laughs> you have a replane there. You have if you are not fools, will you not just stay in the marine world where you have a reply, you have private there, you now come down, you are begging for transport. And then they will allow that. That nonsense to occupy God's children. All those videos you watch, eh? go and delete them. God has given you His word to learn about Him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let's let's think about it. Do you think God is not wise that in everything God could have left, He left His word? You know, it's possible for Jesus, for the Lord to just make sure that where Jesus rose from the dead, that's just it. Everybody wants to get born again. You will just go there and you will just feel something in your spirit and get born again. Don't you think it's possible that way? It is. But why did God leave his word? And the challenge is because as we, and, and I want to say this, you know, as we began to move from orthodox Christianity to charismatic Christianity, listen very carefully, which of course, the baptism of the Holy Ghost and all of that, we became more uh, because we wanted to flow with the spirit We became so spirit conscious We threw away the depth of the study of God's word So the first thing we did in church When we came into our charismatic season Was to throw away Sunday school Because we didn't have time Alright are you, are you here? Am I right or wrong? Yeah Because we didn't have time 
You know how Sunday school is. You study patience. Where are all the places used for patience in, uh, in, in the scriptures? You would ask questions. Your teacher would ask you. You know, we, 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 we engage those Sunday school. We threw that away. Because the first thing is that actually we wanted to build a church where nobody questions us. So you can't ask questions. Fantastic. We throw away Sunday school. Ah, we don't have time. We don't have time. We don't have time. People are, not, people are, people are in a hurry. We, it was because we trained people like that. Hmm? So we cut down on the message. We increased praises. Bought more lights. Hmm? Went spiritual experience. So somebody would just come, praise the Lord. I was in a dream yesterday night, two o'clock. God called me by my first name and he told me, I've given you this, I've given you that. I say, wow, 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 I mesmerized. And then every other person feels like they can't have that kind of encounter with God. And then they are now dependent on that encounter. So why did Jesus die? Why did he shed his blood for every one of us if we cannot come to that place of maturity? You see what Peter told the man at the beautiful gate. He says, silver and gold have I known, but what I have, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That means Peter now had something that Jesus had. Are you following this? Peter could preach the gospel. And when Peter was preaching the gospel, he did not say, I'm preaching to you. I walked with Jesus. Were you there when he multiplied loaves? Were you there when he raised the dead? Peter didn't preach that on the day of Pentecost. Peter went to the scriptures. You know, I know some of you have not read the message that Peter preached on that day. Have you read the message? When I say, Peter didn't preach that. He said, eh. Okay. So what did Peter preach? Can we, can we read Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost? Look at what Peter preached. Acts chapter 2. I know some of you haven't paid attention to that. Peter didn't preach his experience on the day of Pentecost. He preached the gospel, preached the word. Brother Hagin told everybody in the healing revival, he says, when your ministry is, is dead and gone, I'll still be here because I'm building on the word. And Brother Hagin built his ministry on the word until today. Can Hagin Ministries is still continuing? Some of the strongest prophets that walked in the healing revival, their ministries are no more because they built on experience, not the word. Look at this. Let's, let, let's read Peter's sermon. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judah and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. Peter is preaching now. Please pay attention to this. Acts chapter 2, verse 15. For these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. Verse 16. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. So look at this now. You remember, you remember the book of Acts was not there. So Peter goes to Joel, goes to the prophet, is quoting the prophet now. And it shall be in the last days. God says that I'll pour forth my spirit on all mankind. And I, I, I've used this to joke with, with Bible students. If Peter said, on the day of Pentecost was the last day. That means we didn't just get into the last days. <laughs> Come on now. But it's here now. Peter said, that day, he says, in the last day, I'll pour out of my spirit. And that's what happened. So that means as of when Peter was there, it was the last day. So you didn't just enter the last day during the Y2K. 
and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slave, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness, and the, and the moon into blood, before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested, a man attested, a man attested. The word attested is confirmed, is accredited. Attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just so you yourself know. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of the godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in his power. For David says of him, he just quoted the prophet in Joel, now, um, He's quoting the Psalms. David said, I saw the Lord always in my presence, for he's at my right hand, so that I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope, because you will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. So when David was saying this in the book of Psalms, he was talking about Jesus. Are you following this? Are you still here? Alright, let's read on. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Verse 29. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. And so because he was a prophet. He called David a prophet. Okay. And knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to sit one of his descendants on the throne. Now I was quoting Second Samuel chapter 7 verse 12. He looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of Christ that he was neither abandoned to Hades nor his flesh seek corruption. So when David said this, David had in his mind the picture of Jesus. Then he looked and spoke of the resurrection of Christ that he was neither abandoned to Hades nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus God raised up again to which were all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has put forth this which you both see and hear. Verse 34. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself said, The Lord said to my Lord, he's quoting the Psalms again, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. So when you read that portion in the book of Psalms, it's not a prayer point for you, it was referring to the dead, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Are you still here? Right, go on. It says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were pressed to their hearts and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, and each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Did you see what he preached on the day of Pentecost? He went through the prophets and through the psalm, and all he preached on the day of Pentecost was to establish the fact that the man Jesus is the Son of God, and he died for the sins of the whole world. He didn't reference any of the things Jesus did. He preached the gospel. He preached the word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? This is a man that has been equipped. 
Now let's look at what Paul said and we can wrap up there. Colossians 1.28. Let's just stay in Colossians. But I hope you hear my heart in these things I'm sharing with you on the need for the body of Christ to come into this place. And I, and I, and I said it's Colossians 1.28. Colossians 1.28. It says, We proclaim Him, talking about Christ, we proclaim Him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. That word complete in Christ means matured. Matured. It says that's why we're teaching you these things. So you become matured in Christ. Let me read from the Amplified Version. Him we preach and proclaim, warning and admonishing, admonishing everyone, and instructing everyone in all wisdom, and comprehensive insight into the ways and purpose of God, that we may present every person mature, full grown, fully initiated, complete and perfect in Christ, the anointed one. You see, God wants us. God wants us to be matured. And that's why He's given the, the, the saints. That's why he's given the, the, the body of Christ, the fivefold ministers, to minister to the saints. You know, I was telling them in the first service, uh, when, when Paul was preaching on the day he was to go, uh, before he went, he preached all night. All night. And the guy was sleeping in church. <laughs> so you're not the first guy to sleep in church. You've got a brother in the Bible. <laughs> and then the guy fell off. Bam! And died. You know, I was just thinking when the guy fell off and died, he can't deny that he wasn't sleeping. It was too late already. And then they went, they went there, raised him from the dead. Bam, raised him from the dead. Do you realize they didn't allow the guy to share his testimony? Hmm? Are you here or are you going home? Do you realize they didn't allow the guy to share his testimony? Imagine if we had a church service, um, someone passes on, God forbid, get them raised up from the dead. You know we will not preach again. What's going to happen? Hi, buddy, going to dance. Whoa, Papa. He said, come, come, come. When you died, what did you see? Uh, I fell. I saw step. I saw house. And they gave me key. And then I heard people calling me, come back. It's not your time. Come back. It's not your time. Come back. I turned. I saw pastor calling me, come, 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 come. And I came and I saw water on my body. No. They kept the guy somewhere and Paul continued teaching. Two things happening. Number one, they prioritized the word over that. And number two, they were used to seeing miracles. It was not a big deal. Hmm? You realize that even if it's today, people will get offended. I rose up from the dead. They didn't allow me to share my testimony. Am I saying that those miracles should not be celebrated, not at the expense of instructing God's people? Are you hearing what I'm saying? You see, you know why sometimes we make all those miracles, and, and, and I'm saying this you know, as much as I can say it in the right spirit. You know why we celebrate all of those things? Because sometimes that's what becomes the attraction. Not the word. Not the word. But can you imagine if every day we are equipped and each one of you is performing miracles in your offices every day. At least in a week, you're seeing miracles. You see a dead race. You see somebody healed. You see a blind eye open. Do you understand what I'm saying? You, do you think like our Sunday service will be filled with testimonies of miracles? Not really. 
Imagine somebody asking you, uh, do you have any testimonies to share? So you're like, which one? I raised like two dead people and healed two blind eyes. Which of them do you need? And then brother said, oh, well, I did like four. It's commonplace. It should be commonplace. When, when Philip went to Samaria and preached Christ to them, he, Philip was part of the deacon board. He went to a whole city, a whole nation, preached Christ to them, got them healed. Bam! Miracles were happening. That's somebody who left the ushers, who was part of the deacon, and went to a city, caused that city, and then he calls the apostles. It's like you going to one place in town and preaching the word, and many miracles happening, and then you're just calling me, oh, pastor, we just did a meeting, and all of these miracles happened. And then you bring, bring us in to just bring in the apostolic dimension and to mature those saints. That should be our goal. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Your goal should be that in your workplace, you're the one whose hands Jesus is going to use to extend to that workplace. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God doesn't want you after many years of being a Christian, something happens, ah, go and call pastor, go and call pastor. <laughs> no, I mean, it's not wrong to call me, but God is trusting on you. Amen. One more scripture. Are you enjoying this? Because it puts a lot of responsibility on you now. Hmm? You know, it's easy for me to come here and say, you know what? God has anointed me with special powers for your deliverance. And you're like, yes, that's why we're here. But do you realize that the more I do that, the more you're dependent on me. The more you're not growing. God wants you grown. I mean, the pastors and the leaders and the fivefold ministry can come in and help your faith where your faith is not growing. But that's not the ultimate goal. We must understand what we're dealing with. What's the primary purpose of the church? God wants every one of us to build the church. You've got to be involved in that. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 to 7, our last scripture. Colossians 2, 6 to 7. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, having been firmly rooted, and now being built up. It says, having been firmly rooted. Next verse. And now being built up. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in Him. Now the word now being built up shows a current tense. We're building you up now. And established in your faith. Just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. That's why God gave the fivefold ministers. Praise the name of the Lord. To build you up. And that's why when you come into church, come with a heart of someone who wants to build. Who wants to learn. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Document the teachings. Document the writings. Open yourself up to the gospel. Get the hold of the word. Read the word. Study the word. Meditate on the word. Because God wants us built up. God doesn't just want us toast to and fro. It is clear. The very parts. The very essence. Of the mind of God. The very essence of the mind of God. He has given the ministers to teach, to instruct, to equip, to repair, to put the body of Christ in a position where everybody contributes to the building. This is not just about, oh, they are the pastors. You know, I tell people this and it's very funny, right? Do you remember or do you realize if you are talking among your friends right now and you're teaching a lot of Bible and scriptures, what are they going to call you? Pastor, and you know some of you don't want that name at all. 
Because in our mind, it's only pastors that should know so much of the Bible. The rest of the body of Christ, they should not know anything. And you know that's wrong. That's wrong. Every believer should be thoroughly equipped in the word. Every child of God. And if we don't give time to the word, we will not be equipped in the word. You have to give time. You know, one day someone reached out to me, a young pastor reached out to me. He said, Pastor, I, 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 want, to, I, I want to be able to teach God's word. I, I just want you to lay hands on me. I want you to, to impart me with the grace to teach. So I said, okay, not a problem. And uh, because we've also heard that the, the anointing to teach can come upon you. And, 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 and we don't dispute that. But at the end of the day, you've got to have a study life. Because the Holy Spirit is going to bring things to your remembrance. So what would the Holy Spirit bring to your remembrance when you don't know anything? Hmm? So I asked the, the guy to come to my office. So he came to my office. And when he came to my office the first time, he saw books. He said, wow. Huh? How are you managing to read all these ones? I said, that's the impartation. It's this chef that will fall on you. <laughs> are you hearing what I'm saying? Because you want to you wanna get by the laying on of hands... Something that also takes diligence. And that's where we miss it. Brother Hagin will say, laying empty hands on empty heads. There is a place for the transmission of the anointing. And I know people are just going to quickly, quickly go to Joshua and say, Joshua was full of the Spirit of God, because Spirit of wisdom, because Moses laid hands on him. But what they will not tell you was Joshua served Moses for years. And seven times when Moses even leaves the presence of God, Joshua tarried behind and lingered in the tabernacle. What was, that? what was that? The diligence Joshua applied made it easy for the spirit of wisdom to come upon him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? An ambition to teach without the discipline of study is an ambition to be an entertainer. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We have to go into scriptures. We have to go into scriptures. We have to study scriptures. We have to see what scripture means. Why it means that. And see the light of the word in it. This text was not handed down to us so we can cherry pick what we like and excite ourselves. This was given to us to educate the believer. To train the believer in righteousness. And training is discipline. You know, I, I, I mean, um, um, well, you would categorize me as a social science student or an art student, whatever category you want to put me. But I had more ladies in my class than guys. But you realize that sometimes when you go to school and you talk about the art students or the social science students, you know, they looked like people who were not very serious. Huh? You see them organizing party. Okay? You can do... Uh, Midweek party, uh, weekend party. Oh, weekend students get together, party. Medical students, you don't find them doing party like that. Hmm? You just see maybe end of year, and that's like after many years. And some very serious engineering students, you don't find them doing a lot of parties. But people like us that did uh, education and social studies, what's our own business? Can do party weekly and still come out with first class. I mean, if you are actually going to train the body of Christ for 
precision and accuracy and kingdom building, we have to be more serious with the word of God. We cannot build churches that are based on just entertainment and not on education. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We have to be deliberate. And, and this involves both preachers and members. Because you know, some of there's how you are preaching, right? You're preaching, you're teaching the word, you're excited, you think you're teaching. And then after a while, people just snap. They, I mean, from their body language, I've already told you that, Pastor. Pastor, he don't do. No more. He just close my book. Just close notes. They're tired. Because again, if we want to learn these things, everybody has to stretch. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that we have to teach everlasting gospel. I'm only saying that people need to be ready for training. Because what we build the body of Christ, people need to be trained. So, so I'll give you an example and I close. For instance, the scripture clearly says that we should not be ignorant of spiritual gifts. Right? We should not be ignorant of spiritual gifts. And then talked about the nine gifts of the spirit. We're going to deal with that this year. I think we've, we've dealt with it before, but we're going to build more on it. Right? Now, if I ask a lot of believers, what do they know about the spiritual gifts? How many people really know what's the difference between the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge? How many people know? You know, people don't even know the difference between, some, some people don't know the difference between prophecy and the office of a prophet. So anybody that prophesies, they call them prophets. They don't know the difference between foretelling and foretelling. Difference between the word. And yet, Paul says, don't be ignorant of this. He, he writes it in the Bible. He says, don't be ignorant of spiritual gifts. The very thing Paul says we should not be ignorant of, a larger percentage of the body of Christ is ignorant of it. So, once you are able to just get a word of knowledge, bam, then the guy comes and says, I'm a prophet. He says, what qualifies you to be a prophet? He says, God showed me a tree in your father's house. And that doesn't qualify you to be a prophet. Do you, you realize that David was called a prophet? We just read it in the book of Acts. David was called a prophet. Abraham was called a prophet. Why were these two people called a prophet? Because they understood the mind and the purpose of God for the ages to come. How many prophets do we have in the body of Christ that don't know what God is doing with the body of Christ? Hmm? And prophets arise every four years when we are doing elections. And you know the thing? You know the thing? Do you realize that I can stand here and give you a prophecy of somebody who is going to win an election in this country? And that doesn't come to pass the way I prophesied it. But the next Sunday you still carry your Bible and come listen to me. And you never ask me, why did that not come to pass? Because we built largely a body that ministers are not accountable to the people they lead. And that's a problem. Hmm? We're going to have another elections. And prophecies are going to fly. And you know, there are prophets that have consistently gotten every presidential election wrong. Yet, they will still come up next year. No shame. Because they will dazzle with, I saw a tree in your father's house, and that covers the error. You know in the book of Deuteronomy, it says a prophet prophesies and it doesn't come to pass, it should be stoned. Read your scriptures. Because the words of a prophet and not to be words that are taken lightly. And how did we get into all this mess? People began to take their prophetic gift and began to prophesy scores of football matches. 
reduce what God has given to build the body of Christ to become as I say, man. Liverpool is playing. Should I tell you what we have? We say yes, yes, I say Liverpool win for one, and then Liverpool wins. I say, wow, the man prophesied it. So, uh, so all what Jesus died, the the pain. You know, some of us don't know what Jesus went through. What Jesus did to leave his glory, to come down on earth, to die and pay for the price of your sin is because Liverpool will win or will lose. And then you are content with that and you call that Christianity. I'll tell you something. Go and meet a Babalao who doesn't know God. Real ones, not fake native doctors. Real ones. They will give you that result in exact terms. Jesus will not need to come. We need to get serious in the body of Christ. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There is a greater purpose why Jesus came. Go back to that message again for this course and know that there is an agenda on the earth that God wants to accomplish. That God wants to accomplish. Are you hearing this now? And we're going to deal with this. And I'm going to spend time to, to teach on the ministry of the prophet because it, I think it's something that we misunderstand a lot of, a lot of, days, a, a lot of times nowadays in the body of Christ. And we, we, we've got to understand it. You've got to understand it. Praise God. You realize Jesus said, no prophet was greater than John the Baptist. Huh? Hello, church. Don't worry, this is the last example. <laughs> you should, a good preacher should have three closings. This is the final one. You realize John the Baptist? Hmm? What did the Bible say about John the Baptist? Was the greatest prophet. In your estimation, leave Jesus Christ now. In your own estimation, John the Baptist and Elijah, who was greater? Your own rating, not Jesus. Let's be honest. Who was greater? Elijah, man. That guy could call down fire. And Elijah, they called him Bahed. The guy brought this thing. And, ah, you don't insult the man of God. Say Bahed. You know, you know, some men of God are anointed, but no compassion. Children call you Bahed. The guy brought beer, killed all of them. No concern about what the mothers will feel. Say, where's my child? Say, he's in the beer's belly. What happened? Say, call me by it. <laughs> and then the mother's like, okay. <laughs> eh? And then, Jesus comes and see a prophet who never performs one miracle. Not one. He didn't raise any dead. Didn't, nothing. Not one miracle. Didn't even dress well. His message was fiery. Repent! Brute of vipers. And Jesus said, this is the greatest. You know the reason why? Because out of all the prophets, he was the one who stood in the time in history and finally was able to point the whole humanity to the one man, Jesus. All of God's plan, the culmination of all of God's plan was to be consummated and finalized in Jesus. And this was the one prophet who was able to point everybody to the exact Jesus. That tells us the priority of Christ in the scriptures. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We ask that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 I want you to give uh, tonight, uh, this morning uh, your tithes, the offerings. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings. And then, um, while that is, while we're getting our offerings ready, let's have the Banks details. While we're getting our offerings ready, um, we're going to be having a camp meeting in Easter. Praise the name of the Lord. 
in Portacot. So we're going to be having our first camp meeting in Portacot in Easter. How many of you are excited about that? Praise God. Alright, so uh, I know you've planned going to the village, but you have to suspend that and come to camp. So we're going to have a good camp. We'll have all the details ready, registration details, everything on Sunday. It's, it's in April, so you have the whole of March to make sure you are registered. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's, let's, let's receive the offerings, Father. We call our seed blessed in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.